Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Tim Miller, sports editor, Alexi Pavlov, sports editor of the Richwood Gazette, Chad Williamson, managing editor, Bob Putman, sports writer, Journal Tribune. All right, we are truly winding down at this point. We have what two games left? We what have one? well. This weekend, one, one game left in the regular season this coming Friday, and then we'll have a few teams in the playoffs next week, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, last Friday was Friday the 13th, and a couple of our teams suffered through a nightmare on whatever street they were playing on. Uh, two other teams had very close setbacks, and there was only one team of our five that won, and that was North Union. Bob, you were at that game, give us a full report. Uh, once again, the uh, the Wildcats came up with a, a, a pretty good game uh, in defeating uh, Graham uh, 34 to nothing. Uh, it was uh, defensively wise. It was the second straight week they held their opponent uh, to under 100 yards in total offense. So they were dominating on the defense, and and while not uh, clicking on all cylinders. Uh, on offense, they they did score 34 points, and and uh, Carter Skaggs had a uh, a very good game, uh, passing for 193 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, overall, it was a, a very good game for uh, North Union. Um, the the calendar or the, the the football schedule may say week 10 of the regular season, but for North Union this week, it's playoff week. Uh, because right now they are 16th in the in the poll, uh, which is the last spot that's available. Um, so my feeling is that they have to they have to win to get in. I I, I just feel that a loss will not. They, there's not enough cushion there with a loss to to get them in. So I I, I think they have to win, and the task will not be easy. Uh, they uh, will. They're hosting for senior night, Indian Lake. Uh, Indian Lake is 6-3, and 3-1 three, uh, three and one in the league. Uh, North Union is 4-5 uh, and 3-1 f- and 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 in the league. So uh, a very tough game for them to, to end uh, the regular season with. And in, in talking with uh, uh, Coach Hazard this week, uh, earlier in the week, he uh, – you know he knows uh, what's at, what's at stake. He says, and and the players know it too. He says, you he says we can't hide from the fact of what this game means. Uh, he says, in actuality, Hajar uh, hey, feels they've been playing in the playoffs for the last two weeks, because uh, at least the last two weeks, because any loss would uh, have, have you know sent them to the sideline uh, as far as postseason. They've won their last three games in a row, um, and and. Uh, all three were pretty pretty strong performances, so um, it's it's a um, a week this week that uh, uh, coaches like to have, uh, you know, something on the line. Uh, they uh, uh, excited about the opportunity, and and hopefully uh, uh, they can use the momentum they've gained in the last three weeks to. Uh, um, help them against Indian Lake and, and, and get an, another week of, of practice. Well, you and I were looking at their North Union scores earlier this morning, and of their five losses, I think three of them are by a total of 
13 points maybe, I think something like that. And just a, ma a matter of a few points, they wouldn't really be in this position where they have to win on Friday night. They'd be cruising along with well, basically a 7-2 and two record and maybe two, even looking for a home game. Two of their losses uh, came on um, plays made in the last minute that won the, won the game. Um Two other games that they lost, well, while the score was less than a, a, a one-score uh, difference, um, some coaching decisions by the their opponent uh, helped them get back in the game at the end. But definitely the two the two games that they lost in the last minute, if you turn those around uh, to victories, which they could have very easily had, um, they would be in a much better position. This game wouldn't be uh, – quite as as monumental as as it is now so but that's that's the way it goes you you go through your schedule you one week is this way and you got to forget about it and go the next week and so that's uh um coach hr is not looking back and say what not doing any what ifs he says we we've been close we, we've been right there um but you know there's still losses what do you think? You you've watched North Union all season. What what are the main things that the Wildcats are going to have to do Friday night? Well, well, first of all, they got they got to continue to play their their strong defense, and and they're going against a, a quarterback named uh, Burke Lillard. Uh, I believe he's fourth in the league in passing, uh, has something like thirteen hundred yards passing, but he's also the team's leading rusher. And uh, I think he has like 700 yards rushing on the season. So very dual threat guy. Um, they they run a wide open uh, spread type offense. Uh, so he says they've got to you know be particular uh, you know aware of, of where everybody is on on uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Run to the ball. You know just play well. Offensively, they're still a little bit. Um, hit and miss with their running game. Uh, last week it was uh, just, you know, mediocre. The week before it was pretty strong. So, uh, but if you, if you can get, uh, you know, 190-yard performance out of the quarterback, um, and, and a lot of those yards were quick, uh, quick strike type uh, passes, you know, two and three drop, get them out of the quarterback's hand. Um, and Carter has been doing a pretty good job of that. He, and, he did throw a really nice uh, ball to Nolan Draper on a, on a deep post, and what I liked about it was is he let go of the ball at the precise moment that Nolan became open. Um, he didn't. It, there was no a, a hesitation, and it might have been a different story. So um, they have the potential there because they've shown it. Uh, it's just putting both the run and, and, and pass game together um, and then stopping Lillard on defense. He, he's the guy they really got to look at uh, to, to uh, you know, contain him and, and keep the big plays to a minimum. What have you seen as far as the mental uh, – thought processes, for the lack of a better phrase, of the team. You know, you saw them earlier in the year when they had uh, a rough stretch, and now they've won three in a row. What what differences have you seen in the team as far as maybe a little more pep in the step, uh, 
you know, heads are a little bit higher uh, these well, days? Well, actually, even even during the when they started out one and five, um, the the players they didn't seem to be. Oh my gosh, you know what's going on here, and you know uh, they still seem very positive. I think what really helped was the fact that they were close in those games, you know, had chances to win. The only the only game they were not was a, a 35-0 to zero loss to Jonathan Alder. That's the only game they were really out of. And uh, so, you know, I, I think like the coaching staff and, and the players, you know, a little change here and there, and, you know, they, they'd have been okay. So I think they they held on to that a little bit. And, and okay, and, and you got to be honest, the first six games, I think the, the – the, the worst anybody has is six wins out of that first six games. Uh, the last three weeks, I think they might have a total of four wins for the three. So, so the schedule has been a little kind to them, uh, but you can't control the schedule. You, you play who's ever in front of you, and uh, they did the job for those three weeks. And, and, uh, uh, but they did have a pretty rough go of it with the – at the beginning of the season with the teams that they played. Did they have any expectations of more than this this year? You know what I mean? Like, did, were they expecting big things out of this? Or Because there's two ways to go, I think, if you're having kind of a rough year. If you came in thinking you were going to be something, then you struggled through it and kind of limped through it. And I think, unfortunately, I think I'm feeling some of that with Marysville. They had a little higher expectations, so they're getting down to the end, and there's some things happening. But if you come in and – you're expecting to be 500 or even less, but you play some. You play pretty well, and you play some close games. I mean, you can you can be positive. You can see positives in that record, and that helps you maybe, especially in a game. These it seems like North Union Indian Lake every year is a toss up game anyway, regardless of the records. It's some, if I'm remembering right, some weird things always happen in that game, and if. If, you know, like you're saying, if North Union feels pretty good about themselves going into that game, they can draw on that as opposed to just like, let's get the year over with. If they're feeling pretty good about this and they really feel like, you know, we've been right there all year long and this is our chance to really push through, they, and, they and can I do think, good things. I think that's where the senior leadership comes in. Um, I, they have 15, 16 seniors on the team, and uh, that uh, – that I think really helped, and I, I have not sensed. Now, were they expecting to be four and five coming into the last week? Probably not, but I don't think they also they weren't expected to be nine and zero or eight and one coming into the last week. So, um, you wanted to be that, but you know, I I think realistically they, uh, if they could have been six and three, you know, something like that. Uh, uh, I think that's what they were sort of expecting. Um, but like I say they did not expect to lose five of their first six. Uh, but they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to the players and the coaching staff to uh, not let it get away from them. And uh, so I, I did not I did not sense any hanging of their heads. I, I didn't really feel that way. The, a lot of uh, – uh, I'm trying to think of the word upbeatness. I guess that's, that's a word, and that's been that's plagued North Union. I think when they've had better teams, sometimes they will stub their toe, and you will well, smell ha- that linger with them. It through happened a season. last year when they. I think they lost three of their last four and the playoff game, and I, and I think that 
that fit yeah. into that little bit of that. They did have some some problems toward the end of the year, and uh, the kids didn't handle the losses that well. Uh, real quick story. Uh, uh, I was talking to Cameron Osborne after the game Friday night, and uh, I, I called him over, and he's a senior, and I uh, his his brother Griffin was sort of walking off the field there, and when I called him over, Griffin started yelling at his brother about, "Hey, talk about this or do this or do that. so." That's what I'm sort of saying. You know, they they really did not seem to be down on themselves this year, uh, which is something that I think is is a credit to the coaching staff and the players. I know that uh, before the season started, I think one of the one of the questions I had was how the offensive line was going to adjust, given the fact that there were a lot of seniors on the team last year, and obviously people had to fill in those roles. Um, what have you seen in terms of like improvement or adjustment from the offensive line as the season's gone on and up to this point? The improvement's been there, but as I said earlier, the the, the running game is still pretty. It's it's up and down, and you know, uh, a couple weeks ago they had a. a, a well, in fact, about two weeks ago, they ran close to 300 yards uh, on the ground. Friday night, it, it struggled a little bit. Um, so I, I, it's it's been inconsistent, and that's you know uh, I, that's probably been, and and that's unknown to North Union football to have inconsistent running game. Um, you know, usually that's that's been their their. Uh, Meat and potatoes is is their running game, and and some of the time this year they've had to depend on a passing game to get things done. So um, they'll need both Friday night. There's no doubt about that uh, uh, against a, a pretty good Indian Lake team. So Indian Lake is in the same region as North Union, and I believe they were 13th, 12th, I 12th? think. 12th. Okay, I was looking this in the, morning in the, in the same region. So. Um, uh, a lot on the line for this game. A it, lot of points. Well, like I say, this this is, this is a playoff game for North yeah. Union this week. It's not. It it says regular season on the schedule, but it it uh, you could wipe out the regular season and write playoff. Playoff before so, the playoff. Yeah, and uh, it's a play-in game. If you know, if you want to call it that, uh, but it is definitely uh, and and good thing is he he's at home. They they have their their game at home. Um, Senior night, and and sometimes you know you sort of wonder you know the extra pressure of senior night or whatever, but it might be a case that you know uh, that's because it's senior night they maybe not focusing or not focus is not the right word um, the the enormity of the of the game maybe lessen a little bit because it's it's senior night, so well we had. Uh... Another team that has definitely had more than its share of struggles this year, but they surprised us a little bit last week. By they stayed right up there with uh, West Jefferson, uh, which is a state-ranked team, and that's Fairbanks. They lost twenty-one to fourteen. And Alexi, tell us a little bit about that game. So I'll be honest: the initial minutes of the first quarter had me thinking that we were going to have a running clock. Uh, at the start of the second half. West Jefferson came out uh, really strong. Um, they scored on their first drive, uh, which barely took, you know, 30 seconds off the, the, the clock. 
and they followed it. They followed it up with a onside kick on the ensuing kickoff, um, giving them another short field advantage, and proceeded to go in for another score. Um, and Fairbanks's first trip on offense. I mean, its offense struggled mightily in the first half, not going to lie. They accounted for like 10 rushing yards and 58 passing yards in the first half, and collectively the team had uh, five penalties on Fairbanks' side. Um, And so with that being said, the defense showed up. I mean, you know, in the latter half of the first quarter and throughout the entirety of the second quarter, Fairbanks was giving – West Jefferson a run for their money in terms of, you know, hey, um, you can pass, you can throw, but we're going to be right there to meet you. Um, and I was, I was, I was really surprised, uh, given the fact that uh, Austin Buescher is um, a talented passer, and you know, I started, I started to also realize why he got so many passing yards by um, kind of like that forward toss play. I think someone in the office mentioned what the, what the. Um, play is called but um it's it's almost like a shovel pass yeah 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 yeah. like they've run repeated shovel passes yeah like throughout the game throughout the game and and stupid (laughs) seems it seems like the kind of game it seems like the thing if you you surprise people with that once because otherwise if you step in front of that thing yeah then it's done going back 50 yards or a touchdown um so, so yeah, I mean, they, but, but they were yes. taking, you just don't hear that often. You hear the old bread and butter, the old shovel pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were, they were taking chunks out of the field, uh, with, with that kind of a play. Um, and essentially, you know, when, once halftime rolled around, I was expecting the defense to kind of start to collapse a little bit. Um, I wasn't expecting much from the offense, but talking to Landon, AJ Landon after the game, uh, he mentioned that they just looked each other in the eyes and said, we're going to, we're going to stay in this and we're going to fight. And that showed, um, the offense improved and the defense stayed consistent throughout the, um, entire second half. Uh, the two scoring plays by Fairbanks, uh, came on really short yard, um, running situations. Rafi Stoffer um, scored both of the touchdown runs. Um, and you know, it, it came down to, so there was there was this moment in the in the fourth quarter when Fairbanks was on West Jefferson's 17-yard line and they were they were getting gains on the ground um but they opted to toss one to the end zone and unfortunately um West Jefferson was right there to pick uh Landon off like right at the goal line the defensive back returns it to the 45 and on the ins- and, and on that next drive um which bled into oh, oh I'm sorry it was it was at the end of the third quarter that that play happened and on the ensuing drive it bled into the fourth quarter um West Jefferson was able to uh cap that off with a really nice uh toss by Buescher um and put up the score to 21 to 7 um and basically it came down to the final drive where Riker Green takes a long gain all the way down to West Jefferson's one-yard line. There's like a little over 40 seconds left on the clock, and Rafi Soffer punches it in for uh, the last touchdown for Fairbanks. And on the next kickoff, they wanted to uh, onside kick it. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a nice placement, but 
the front line was just not um, the timing wasn't there, and uh, West Jefferson just kneels out for the rest of the game. And I was I was really, you know, at at the end of it all, I was really surprised given the fact that West Jeff has been state ranked, like Tim said, and you know their offense has been able to put up points, you know, and. I don't know, but like Fairbanks's defense, I think was the saving grace in this game, given the fact that the offense took a long time to get going. Um, Landon and Landon ended the game with uh, connecting on twenty of his thirty-two attempts, had two hundred and eleven yards through the air. Riker Green was the leading receiver with uh, ten catches for eighty-seven yards. He was also the leading rusher with five carries for twenty-nine yards, um, and the team on the ground. Uh, had 72 yards total on 26 carries. There were a lot of carries that like went negative, um, so I was I made note of that before I came in here. But um, yeah, and they have another big test next week in West Liberty Salem. But I'll be honest, after seeing what Fairbanks showed against West Jeff, I'm assuming I'm assuming that it's going to be another battle. And we'll see what happens on that front. But. It, it could be. What has plagued Fairbanks most of the season, and I think I've seen them play more than anyone else here at the table, is they've had some good defensive games. They've had some defensive games where they've been scorched. Their problem is they have not been able to develop a, a consistent offensive attack, and that's because they've had so many struggles with injuries on offense. Um, A.J. uh, started the season at running back. He's now the third quarterback they've had to use. Um, Carter Miller went out with a season-ending knee injury. Uh, Riker Green injured his ankle in the first game of the season. We've talked about that before and is just now getting possibly back to where he – needs to be but this this had to be a game that left a good feeling in Fairbanks's uh minds because hey we went down to West Jefferson everybody was expecting a blowout I think all of us here at this table thought it was going to be a blowout and they rose up and uh, gave a fine account of themselves so and and to make note of uh, an individual on defense that probably had a really good game um you know, Holtz Main was lights out. He he accounted for. Let me go back to the game notes. He had 12 total tackles, 10 of which were solo, one sack, three tackles for a loss, and one pass defense. Um, and that puts him. You know, all of those stats that culminates in him being first in the conference in sacks with 10, second in tackles for a loss, which he has 19 total. Um, and fifth in solo tackles, he has 43 on the season. Um, he and he also played a vital role on offense. I didn't mention his offensive stats, but um, there was a moment where, you know, Landon found him in the middle of the field, and you know, you know, with the stature of Holtz Main being what it is, you know, he's a pretty tall kid and has has some meat to him. But um, you know, I there were a few times where like. I kind of said to myself, I, "You don't need to go down after one person tries to tackle you." I think uh, I think he's um, big enough to kind of like break some tackles here and there. But 
Um, I'm, I mean, he 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 bailed out uh, the offense in a couple really key si- situations. Um, so I was I was I was really pleased with his performance, mostly on defense, but offense he definitely showed up. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would I would think that you know stemming from this game, um, you have to look at the things that you've done right and just keep building off of it. And that's what Landon said after the game, and he mentioned that they're just so close to really giving teams um, hardship on the offensive end. So, well, I guess the thing that sort of you know, stands out for me is, and you talked about it, they're down 14 to nothing less four minutes into the game. Um, how easy would that have been just to, to, to get to, to get bad quickly? Yeah. Uh, and so what did they do defensively or what did they do to, you know, only allow seven more points against a pretty good West Jeff team? I think I- – a lot of it had to do with pressure in the pocket, um, and uh, Jamison Roush, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, anyway, there were just several occasions where Austin had someone in his face, and he had to make plays either on the ground or through his through his arm. But he had he, him uncomfortable, is yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he was he was off kilter in a lot of situations, and I think that's that's what the defense adjusted for was. You know, on those first two drives, they really weren't give, giving him a whole lot of pressure. But, you know, as the game went on, um, a mixture of stunts and also just, like, letting the defensive line do what they do best, um, get around those blocks. There were – yeah, there was there was just a lot of pressure given in Buescher's face. Um, that had – that was mostly what the adjustment was. In that well, game. the Fairbanks' defense will be tested again – this week, just in a different way, when they host West Liberty Salem to close out the regular season. Uh, West Liberty's a more of a ground-oriented team, and they've got a young man by the name of Gabe McGill, who is the leading, leading rusher in the Ohio Heritage Conference. They're the type of team that you know, they like to keep the ball on the ground. They like to chew up a lot of time off the clock. And their mission is to just sustain drives and keep the other team's defense on the field as long as possible. Uh, they're not going to pass a lot. Uh, Miles Hostetler, that Hostetler, like McGill, has been a longtime athletic uh, name over at uh, West Liberty Salem. He's uh, he's completing almost 63% of his passes and has 11 touchdowns, but but. Fairbanks is going to have to try to find a way to stop the running game and get West Liberty's offense into some three-and-out situations. The The big thing that they're going to have to do is get their defense off the field uh, as quickly as possibly can. Um, this could be, you know, Fairbanks is basically a running team as well, and it's supposed to rain Friday night, so this could be a – Mud fest, slogum type of game where see which uh, team's running attack is going to win out in the end. So uh, we'll swing over to the game I covered last week, and probably the most disappointing game for a local team. Jonathan Alder had a victory well within sight against Bell Fountain. Bell Fountain came down and scored a touchdown with four minutes left to go in the game to go ahead 28-23. Uh, 
Jonathan Alder got the ball back with two minutes left to go. Still plenty of time to get down the field to uh, try to uh, pull out the game. But uh, Belfound's defense threw uh, Grand Horn for a loss on one of the last plays. Uh, Jonathan Alder lost the ball on downs and all Bill Fountain had to do was go into victory formation for one snap, and the, the clock ran out. Again, the final score was 28-23. to 23. Uh, Bill Fountain scored the first 15 points of the game in the, in the opening quarter, and I got to thinking, hmm, this might not be very good. But Alder came back with 17 points in the second quarter and trailed by only 22-17 at halftime. And then Alder actually scored the go-ahead touchdown uh, early in the fourth quarter, and they were up 23-22. to And I was thinking, you know, just if they could hold on, that would have been a big win for them, would have gotten them a lot of computer points and boosted them up even farther in their region. But Tavian St. Clair uh, – directed the team down the field and St. Clair who is an Ohio State recruit is a good quarterback he's got a strong arm he didn't you could tell by several uh, a few of the passes that he threw that were incomplete or the receiver caught the ball but was out of bounds he's got a solid Big Ten type of arm he did more of his uh, passing uh, uh passes to the flat, screen passes, that got them. It seemed like his passing game for that night was an extension of their ground game. And and the player that I was most impressed with was a young man by the name of Chris Fogan who scored uh, three of their touchdowns and rushed for 159 yards. Uh, he was – I think he was the bigger factor in Bell Fountain's offensive game plan that night, although taking nothing away from Tavian St. Clair, I think. What did he have? What was his stat line like? He was 21, uh, 15 to 21 for 141 yards. He threw it 21 times and still had a 150-yard rusher, huh? Yeah. Yeah. What was what was the defensive line like for Jonathan Alder when it came to, you know, addressing Tavian St. Clair? They put pressure on him, but he's such an athlete that he could get out and throw on the run. There, there, there wasn't anything in his game that was like a straight drop back and he stood in the pocket and the line collapsed and, and they were able to, to sack him. But uh, he is very good at throwing on the run. Now, we're, what that will translate into the next level for him remains to be seen. Uh, Cam Jewell had another great game for, for Jonathan Alder. Uh, he finished with 201 yards rushing and – and he's now just – he's a yard over the 2,000 mark for the season. And that's – I don't care who you are, what team you play on, if you rush for 2,000 yards in, a, in, in nine games, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but I've also liked the way Grant Horn, their quarterback, has, has played. Uh, he was 11 of 20 passing. Good figures, but but he came up with some nice – Play when they it seemed like when Jonathan Alder needed some yardage, and and everybody was going to key on on Cam Jewell, but but Grant came up with 64 yards on 14 carries, and several of those plays 
were on third down that kept drives alive. And he had a nice game. Uh, Johan Beckel, uh, I really mm-hmm. liked what. It's a great name. It is. It's great a great name. name. Uh, the Yo young man. You'd expect him to be a kicker, I'm telling you. That's well, a kicker's he, name. Well, he's not. He, uh, he he caught seven passes for 89 yards, uh, one of them being a touchdown. Uh, and he set them up in decent field position. Uh, he averaged seven and a half yards on four punt returns, which – you know, to an untrained ear may not sound like much, but that's pretty good on punt returns. And he, he returned, he set up a, another touchdown drive, uh, a short touchdown drive when he returned a kickoff for 65 yards. So, but you learn some possibly really bad news for Jonathan Alder this morning, uh, Alexi. So I, over the weekend, um, I saw that Cam Jewell made an Instagram post regarding, you know, the fact that that was his last game. He said something along the lines of, I gave the game my all and it gave me a family in return. And at the end of it, he said that he's uh, praying for a healthy recovery. And I don't know quite what the situation might be. Was there anything during the game that you saw, Tim? Well, there uh, there were a couple times. I don't know if he... His right hand, which is the hand he carries the ball in, whether he got stepped on, uh, what happened, but he came off the field uh, in some discomfort with that hand, and the trainers were looking at it, and they didn't tape him up or anything. And he went back into the game and still had some nice carries. I Maybe the adrenaline of, of knowing that you're close to 2,000 yards carried him through, but he was he was in some pain, but he didn't play like he was in any pain, if if that makes any sense. And he never gave any indication during the game or immediately after the game. I wanted to talk to him, but but after a disappointing loss, none none of the kids wanted to talk. But he didn't carry himself like he was in any real distress. So uh, you know, so we left left there Friday night not realizing what the extent, if any, of an injury he had. So so um, with that being said, I, I don't expect uh, Cam Jewell to play this weekend, um, and the team is traveling to Tecumseh. Uh, they're 2-7 and seven on the year. The only two uh, wins that they have came in the first two weeks. Every other week since then has obviously been a loss. Um, they're – Nothing really jumps out in terms of, you know, like conference leaders in terms of the stat line. Um, And last year, I remember the Tecumseh game uh, going into double overtime and Jonathan Alder came out on top uh, to get that win. I'm thinking that this is not the same Tecumseh team as last year at all. Uh, So I I don't want to say it's going to be a win, but, I mean, it's looking like that right now given the fact that, you know, while – Jewel certainly being out is a headline in and of itself. Um, you know, like you mentioned before, Grant Horn, Johan Beckel. I think I think there's a couple of players on that defense, specifically the defensive line, that uh, can definitely um, you know make impacts in the game. Honestly, Mason Curtis has been a solid uh, backup for Cam Jewel and has continued to you know be like the the second fiddle in a change of pace back. Um, doesn't have the breakaway speed, but can certainly bruise it up the middle if he needs to. 
And so I, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling confident in this game for Jonathan Alder. Not going to lie. I, I don't think they're going to have to worry about any overtime. Uh, I think this is a game where you'd love to have Cam Jewell out there on the field. I, it's not going to be a game where they need to have him out on the field. That would be down the road in a week or so. Uh, I know Jonathan Alder stat-wise looks like a one-man team. And, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Cam has just been a a, a tremendous ball player. Maybe for the Central District, at least what we're used to covering teams uh, from from the district. Uh, he, I think he's the best running back, maybe regardless of division. I don't know. But uh, they're not going to have to worry about Tecumseh tonight. Again, we'll talk a little bit later about what's coming up down the road for Jonathan Alder. But it was a tough game for him. It was, you know, they were so close to beating a, a very good Bell Fountain team, they could taste it. So maybe a taste of victory can be another entre- new entree into the two thousand two thousand yards of production just left the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's I, I don't be... think Tecumseh's the problem. No, is Tecumseh mentally, not the problem? Mentally, I mean, what do they have to be thinking? I mean, this is a kid they've leaned on for three years. Right. He's having this incredible senior year, and you know. They've had their ups and downs, but they're definitely going in the playoffs, you know, where they could do some damage if they had him. And right. all of a sudden, 2,000 yeah. yards just walked off the field yeah. because of a finger. That's going to be, you know, that, that's going to be something that is definitely in the back of their minds. They're not going to, again, they're not going to have to worry about it Friday night against Tecumseh. And, and but, that might be the silver lining in this, in, in the. You know, uh, of a bad situation is the fact that they are going to at least see one game without him. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, uh, I guess well, worst thing would be okay. He's the week ten. He gets hurt, yeah. and now you go into the playoffs without him. True enough. They're at least going to have one week where they okay. The the kid that replaces him gets used to playing on Friday night at, at a main as a main uh, cog in the offense. Um, so. I'd line up and run the most boring offense you've ever seen in your <laughs> yeah. life against Tecumseh. And I'll tell you why. Because then the first week of the playoffs, that team has no idea what they're going to see. Yeah. Like, Jewel has been such a big, you know, you know what whoever gets older in the playoffs, they were going to plan for Jewel. They were going to game plan around him. Now they don't know what the heck they're getting, especially if you run a very vanilla offense against, you know, Tecumseh and don't show them, you know, any new wrinkles or who the next man up you know, the damage doer might be, you know, you just throw them a very blah game plan, spread the ball around a lot, and good luck planning for them because, you know, you don't know what they're going to look like. Yeah. Come out and throw the ball 60 times or something, you know. You can do whatever you want. You can completely reinvent yourself. It's not not the situation you want to be in, but. And, again, that it sort of helps the opposition a little bit that they're going to see one week of that mm-hmm. uh, because I'm sure that the film they're going to ask for is the last game of the season, so because um, because if 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 Cam's not playing, why look at film? Everybody's been scouting them all year long, you know, you know thinking, oh, no, we might see them in the playoffs. Yeah. And- yeah, the top teams in Region 15 of Division Four, they they know the name of Cam Jewell. 
I, I don't care. <laughs> the name of Jewel. The name of Jewel. Yeah. And the leg of Jewel. In the end, it was the finger of Jewel <laughs> that unraveled it. Don't forget the taste of victory. The taste Almost. Of victory. You know, that could have been dessert. Got an entire but, Dutchman menu coming yeah. together. Well, and, and, you know, to talk about how, um, to kind of add more to how Tecumseh is, you know, they, they have to see what Jonathan Alder looks like without Cam Jewel. I mean, in the Urbana game, the second half, you know, Cam Jewel had to go out early because of a shoulder injury. Um, and, you know, the offense struggled in the second half in that game, but they ended up, like, pulling it together and gained some momentum uh, later on. So that game in particular I kind of look at and think to myself, like, I, I see the success that Jonathan Alder can have on offense regardless of whether or not Cam Jules is there. That makes sense. There, so. Look, when you got a 2,000-yard rusher and you've been leaning on him, that doesn't mean you're inept. You just oh, haven't no. shown it. Yeah. You just haven't shown yeah. Everything else is in your bag. Again, they look like a one-man team statistically, but they've got some other weapons that I've seen them use. I think uh, I've seen them. This was the second time I, I had seen them this season. And the Grand Horn to Johan Beckel pass connection. The and Mason, Horn of Beckel. The Horn of, <laughs> of Johan. <laughs> and Mason Curtis is not a slouch as far as running the football. He's a hard-nosed kid, and I'm sure he'll get some a lot of reps yeah. in that game uh, at Tecumseh. But uh, that's that's not the game that – this isn't the game that Jonathan Alder has to worry about. They have to be looking ahead. And – Let's swing over to Marysville. Arguably, their two toughest games of the season yeah. last week and this week. Yeah. It, when you look at a game that was 34, Marysville lost 34 to 14. And But you could argue that the game was a defensive struggle, and that sounds odd. But if you look at the stat sheet, like the two teams barely combined for 400 yards. Marysville's run for close to 400 by themselves in some games this year. This is a game that got turned on big plays and special teams. Last week, Marysville used special teams as their advantage. This week, it came back and bit them in the butt. Um, they had two blocked punts in the game. One was blocked in for a touchdown, recovered for a touchdown. The other one landed on, like, the two. You know, in a game that's kind of tight defensively, games like that are going to – they're going to they're gonna be a problem. There was also a big kick return in there also – uh, I think a punt return that set up a short field. So all of that kind of special teams momentum Marysville had built last week turned back on them this week. You know, honestly, you look at this game, Marysville had 198 total yards. Berlin, who was who is nine or eight and one, had two twenty-six. They both had eleven first downs. Marysville's defense did a pretty good job, you know, with with a couple of lapses in in holding Berlin down. Um, on the other side, Marysville had some offensive problems. They they fin they started strong and finished strong, but in between they had troubles. So basically, what Marysville did is they came out and in anything but true Marysville form, they threw the ball like four straight times and completed all four of them. They opened the game with a. Uh, Brevin Borkwin to uh, Dominic Brown, 40-yard completion. And then they hit three more passes and then kind of went back to the ground game, pounded the ball in, and went up 7 and nothing. And uh, let's see, then they then they allowed 
they held, uh, Berlin moved the ball down the field pretty easily, but the defense rose up and held and held them to a long field goal. So they're up seven to three. And Coach Brent Johnson said, you know, even though Berlin moved the ball pretty easy right there, he felt good that they they at least stopped him and held him to three. Um, but then Marysville's offense got nothing going. Then they had the block punt for the touchdown. That makes it ten second seven. You go in the the third quarter. They had a short field set up by a long kick return. And then uh, Brewster, his what's it, Harrison Brewster? This he was like he was an all-state quarterback for. Yeah, I mean Marysville's looking at an all-state quarterback in this Brewster kid this past week, and then of course, what's his Ethan Grunkenmeyer? Grunkenmeyer, who's going to Penn State, is coming in this next week. I mean they have seen two two dandies back to back. So so Brewster ripped off a seventy-six yard touchdown run. And I mean, he's he's fast. He's got jets, and and he's elusive. And they, you know, they held him pretty well in check. You consider that they ran for 120 yards. Olin Tangy did in the game, and 76 of that came on one play. So Marysville's defense rose up there and held him pretty well. So they went in with a 24-7 deficit at the half. Talking to Brent Johnson, the problem became with Marysville's offense. After that first drive, they couldn't get much going. And what he explained was, essentially when Marysville would go to the line, what they would see is a, a front that was trying to take away the outside game. You have kind of ends out a little wider, backers walking out. But the, pre, the pre-snap read and what actually happened were completely different. They were stunting into the holes looping in, the backers were coming in and filling. So what you had is Marysville in that wing tee, they have a lot of, you know, pulling pulling guys, guys looping around and trying to set edges. They were having trouble picking up their blockers, the blo- their blocking assignments. They were, they were having trouble getting a hat on a hat when they're trying to set those rushing lanes. You know, and I, I can't remember the line Brent used, but he said, you know, they kind of had our eyes wandering. Mm. They couldn't, they couldn't find that last guy they needed to block to pop those runs. And that was something talking to him a week you know, before last week's game, that was a concern that he had. Yeah. Well, well a lot of times with that wing, uh, it's angles. 100%. It's, and, and you don't have to really block the guy sometimes, just sort of dislodge him a little bit, move it, him a little bit. And that you, sounds like you, what they were stunting. You take him where he wants, where those guys want to go. You either drive him past the hole or, or seal him off from it. So it, it is a lot about, it's a lot of times about blocking a guy that doesn't see you coming. And that doesn't mean you're always pulling. Sometimes it's a guy coming down in on a linebacker from the backside and pushing him past the hole. But when they're just looping backers and ends and tackles every which way, you you run around there to block a guy that's no longer there, <laughs> you know. It's it's not like lining up in the power eye and just straight ahead, you know. You're you're when you get fancy with your blocking assignments, a creative defense is gonna is gonna kind of turn the tables on you and make that, you know, a little bit tricky. And and apparently that's what uh, Berlin was doing. And as I hear you talking about special teams. Um, Special teams is something that you don't really notice until you do. 
Boy, I, uh, and whether I it's a big play that. on offense or, or the, for the kicking team or the receiving team, it, it doesn't show up until it does. Two years ago when Marysville had – I think I talk about Gabe Powers more that he's gone than I did when he was here. <laughs> but the big thing people don't realize, that was a huge piece of that Marysville team two years ago that people never appreciated. Gabe Powers punted for Marysville, and he returned punts. He would – look, He he's 6'4". He can jump. Sometimes a bad snap didn't get over his head because he could go up and get it. When if a, if a snap was short, he had great hands and he would scoop it up. He would take the ball and see a lane and run and convert a first down on his own. Like he had the green light in certain situations to do that, to convert those. Also, on punt returns – he would come up there sometimes and act like he was letting the ball just just die and pick it up on a bounce and take off while it catches the, the you know the uh, the other team flat footed. Nobody appreciated. <laughs> I don't think anybody appreciated that back then. But then you kind of see how just you know a traditional team with you know just uh, Marysville's punter's fine, but you know he got swarmed up a little bit this week and. It's it's not a weapon anymore. Marysville special teams are not a weapon. This is also the sec I think the second week in a row they've seen kind of a D one caliber kicker. This kid, I don't even know Conrad's his name. He's a D one level prospect. He banged a forty five yarder through. I think he just missed a fifty three yarder. Like he was a weapon too. And they've been seeing these big time punting and kicking legs. You know, there's there's weapons coming at him. You know, in this league, they're seeing D one. Special team players coming at him, and that reminds know. me of Centerville's kicker that we yeah. saw last year in the playoffs. Broke, broke uh, Nugent's, yeah. Broke Mike Nugent went to Centerville and he broke Mike Nugent's. Man, he kicked that thing fifty-five yards on a cold night. Well, Ooh. broke that, my foot. <laughs> and and that young man, when he connected with the ball, he had that thump. I never heard a thump like that. Yeah, you never know. in my life. Most most of the time, there's it's kind of a sweeping whoosh when it yeah. comes under it. And when he hit that thing, it sounded more like a punt. He it, he banged into that thing. So and hard. you knew it was just going to go And, and this kid this kid had a similar leg. Yeah. He, he really did. It, you know, and Marysville's seen a few of those. So, and that's the thing, you know, a lot of times you think of when things happen on special teams, there's a mess up, but you can put pressure on other teams. You can have a good punt rush that makes them hurry kicks and screws them up. Or, you know, you can have a confusing coverage game that, that does things or – or whatever, like it's a really underrated, and it seems to rear its head in games where it makes a huge difference. And in this game, if you look at the offensive stat sheet, they're not far apart. You know, even though Marysville went to sleep there in the middle for a long time, their defense held them in it outside of these long return and two block punts. Two. It sounds to me like the two block punts basically was the difference in the ball game. And and I would say that sh- that long kick I can't I don't have it in front of me but that long kickoff return also, you know, they had then so they come out in the second half and they get a they go down and the Bears go down and score. And then later in that quarter is when the second blocked punt happened. Now strangely enough, Marysville's defense rose up and forced them to kick a field goal. They got it on like a 2-yard line. And Marysville's defense held them, and and they settled for a 26-yard field goal, but that made it 34-7. You know, 21, well, 14, 17 of those points easily came off 
off special teams. Yeah, that's he, what I was just getting ready to say. Yeah. It, you get 17 points because of special teams. Absolutely. And the, the, the game difference is 20. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Marysville, then Marysville figured things out. Strangely enough, they're, they're that sophomore fullback that had been running the ball a lot, uh, Corbin Wallace, hurt his neck. Um, and had to leave the game, left on a stretcher. I would doubt he plays this week. So they had to move Kratowskis back into that fullback position um, where he'd been having a lot of success at wing, and their offense had been moving better with him at wing, except it really wasn't Friday night. He comes back into fullback. All of a sudden, they go on an 80-yard drive that chews up 12 minutes. Now, the problem is they're down. You know, a hundred scores at that point. They need some quick scores. Drive at that time. But needed a little more urgency. When you're when you're not barely moving the ball at all, a twelve minute eighty yard drive looks impressive. And it was kind of back to old school where they were at the beginning of the year, where they've got Kratowskis just banging it in there straight ahead instead of coming in there from the wing. So, and unless they don't look like they've got anybody else groomed in that fullback position, I'd I'd be shocked if it's not. Krotowskis in there. I don't know if Brent indicated to you. He didn't indicate anything yeah. to me. But, and he told me, ask, you know, every week I ask him, is everybody healthy and happy? And he says, we're all ready to go. So maybe. Yeah, well. I don't know about I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell, like. Brent's usually kind of I get closed. It. That, that's what he's, and that's what you, and that's what you've got to say. Yeah. But there are, there's some things going on there. And, you know, I don't write about this, but they've, they've, They've had a player leave the team, and it was a player that was seeing action. And he was he was he was a pretty. I'm I'm not going to out these guys right. on here, but right. listen, anybody that's going to watch these games is going to see people that aren't there. So they had somebody step away from the team, and it was somebody who factored into game plans greatly. As I'm hearing it, there's going to be another one. I'm literally getting texts while we're recording this. There might be more beyond that. And, and there's kind of a triage thing going on right now where they're trying to get this thing settled down. Like they have got – there is something going on there. That's why when I was asking you, Bob, about the mentality and if they had those expectations that were a little bit lower so they felt like, you know, we've been right there all season. And you said they're kind of upbeat. I don't know that Marysville's – there. Marysville very well may have come in expecting a lot more out of this season, and now that kind of mentality might be rearing its head at the end, and you've got some people that are just like, look, this isn't what I signed up for. And that flies against the grain of what Marysville's football program has been like for a long, long time. And I, it, When have you ever heard of a kid at Marysville stepping away with two games left to play, let alone two kids stepping away right. that late in the season? You know, if it's if it's in the preseason after a scrimmage, sure. maybe a, a, a one or two games into the regular season, okay. But you've, you've been through the meat grinder for eight, nine weeks of the regular season. And it, it's not like Marysville is a schlump team. Granted, they haven't posted the type of record that they've been accustomed to, but every year is different. You've got to put in different people into different slots. And, you know, they're four and five. They're, they've got a shot. 
at a 500 record. And the people, a, long, a, a tough way to go to get to that, and you're still going to the playoffs. And so. the people stepping away are underclassmen who would – look, both the names I'm hearing are – the one I know, they're, they're people that saw action this year, and they were going to be big pieces next year. I don't know how you come back. you know, And that's not my decision, and, and that's, that's an inner team thing or whatever. And right. If they would even want to come back, but – these are pieces for next year also. Mm-hmm. These are leaders. They're, they're underclassmen seeing playing time. Like, it's it's a – there's there, something bubbling. Yeah. Like, that, that's that's all I'm getting at is when, when we do this podcast, like, if you want the nuts and bolts, that's what we write about. We talk about impressions. We talk about the way things are working, kind of the game within the game in this podcast. There's something bubbling under there. So you know, well, I, I don't know what the root of it is, it. and and I hope it doesn't. And that's what Northeen you went through last year, sort of the same thing, the undertone uh, uh, of what was going on uh, out of the public eye, and I just have not sensed that this year. I think this is a a group of of, of kids who generally like each other. I've never seen it in Marysville, I, as long as I've covered them, and I've seen teams. A thousand times worse than this one. Yeah, and I've never experienced. Yeah, I've never smelled smelled this smell. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Marysville's defensive secondary, which has had its difficult moments over the years, they did they did better this week. Yeah, they, they've been playing better. They've yeah. gotten better the second half of the yeah. year. Thank heavens, because boy, like we said, the quarterbacks they're seeing right now—they are definitely going to be tested. And Hilcher, the Friday same night. guy I talked about last week, he he did a very good job Friday night. You know, staying stride for stride with yeah. with their top receivers, Ethan Grunkemeyer, old Grunky, Grunky, the Grunk. He's throwing twenty-seven touchdown passes this year in nine wow. games. Nine games. Uh he's got over twenty-three hundred yards passing. Penn State commit. Yeah, Penn State commit. Uh, They've got three receivers who have 40 or more pass receptions. Jackson Wiley is their top receiver. He's caught 55 passes, and he's caught 12 touchdown passes. When I talked to Brent on Monday morning, uh, first thing he said is, they like to sling it around a lot. And <laughs> uh, they don't they don't have much of a ground game. Their leading uh, ball carrier is a guy by the name of Riley Clarkson. He's only got 359 yards rushing because they yeah. don't even rush the right. ball. They've got uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a wild west shootout on and on Olentangy's part. As I was telling Tim, the rumor has it Mr. Franklin is going to be at the game. That's the, right. The well, Penn, Penn State's, State's coach. The rumor, the rumor I'm hearing is that Penn State's coach. Well, they're is, in town to play Ohio in, State on right. Saturday, and so he's got Friday night open. And what I heard is he's going to come over and watch his quarterback commit uh, play. I don't honestly know the last time I've seen a Big Ten coach actually at the game. I'm sure there were some maybe around Gabe, but oh, I'm sure, but like, I can't remember. You're talking about a quarterback here too, so that's going to create a. That's got to create some atmosphere, well, having that guy in town if he shows up. Brent feels that his 
defensive front lines up pretty well with Olin Tangy's offensive line. He says we're That's we're not gonna, the problem. We're gonna have to get into the backfield and put pressure on him. I was hoping you'd say honestly that he liked to hook up with one receiver because I think if they put Hilcher over on that guy and maybe gave him some help, maybe he can shut that down. Three guys. Three guys. I mean there it's gonna be any meany yeah. as far as who's gonna be open uh in this Wiley uh, gentleman is he's the real deal uh, and again they've got two other guys who have had 40 or more catches uh, Brent says we're going to have to tackle well in space I just hope you're close enough to be able to tackle Marysville super happy that it's going to rain this week they, they could seriously if you're a running team like Marysville and you're coming up against this cat you're probably pretty happy that the forecast is calling for rain i'm not happy that well i'm not either i mean not, you <laughs> know we've, we got spoiled all year it's been yeah. beautiful one time for alexi there he <laughs> sort of i think he was the only one that got rained on i forgot about that <laughs> that was fairbanks over at uh, springfield catholic i think you came yeah you came in drenched i'm going <laughs> fall into a bucket of water but that, but that really is a thing like a yeah. passing team would rather have it dry and if you're a running sure. team going against that and that's what coach Hajar talked about too with the weather with the uh the quarterback from indian lake uh you know uh that you know that could slow him down and uh could help them if they can get their running game going yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, one la- other team in our coverage area. This is this is going to be it for Triad. They they are going to play Mechanicsburg this Yeesh. week. Yeesh. And again, we've talked about the last four game schedule for both Fairbanks and Everybody, Triad. Marysville's got it too. Yeah, like, it's it's weird. Like. Uh, Triad lost to West Liberty fifty six to fourteen last week. They're one and eight. Uh, they're playing Mechanicsburg. Uh, did awesome, awesome play, didn't he? Yes. Awesome what had did a he great. Do? Yeah, he had a great game. He carried the ball 19 times for 210 yards, and he scored and both. He got beat up. Yeah, and he scored Man, both of Triad's touchdowns. But you know, it's just it's just been a rough year for Triad, and um, hopefully, you know, the, this Friday night's going to wrap things up for him. Hopefully, um, they can build some things up hopefully the offensive line that was young and inexperienced this year they took their they took a pounding uh hopefully though that that pounding they need will get help in the them. weight room yeah and eat some steaks yeah they need to get strong and big because yeah. they've got they've got the horse behind them yeah yeah they they need to they need to support him so let's talk a little bit about the playoff situation now. Uh, with the exception of Triad, uh, it appears that we're going to have four teams in the playoffs, and uh, some of them are going to have to get their traveling shoes on because they're going to be going uh, yonder, pre- pre- <laughs> yonder, pretty far away from home. Uh, Jonathan Alder, six and three. They've got the best record of. Our teams, um, it's projected if they beat Tecumseh, which I think they will, they're going to end up anywhere from sixth. They're 11th right now in in their region. Uh, 
what I was reading on the internet, a win would project them anywhere from six to fourteen. I think it'd be closer to to six, and if they get to that sixth spot, they'll have a home game. A loss to Tecumseh, which I don't think is going to happen. They're projected anywhere from seven to sixteen. Uh, Marysville is currently thirteenth in their region. Uh, if they were to be able to beat Olentangy, they could possibly get a home game. They would be, they're projected to finish anywhere from six to remaining at 13th in the region if they win. If they lose, it'd be somewhere 13 to 16. You know, there are only 17 teams in Region 2 of Division 1. So, like I said, Beaver Creek is the only team that hasn't had a pulse this year. So they're the odd man out. Uh, North Union, four and five, we talked earlier about this is the playoff game this week to get them into the playoff. Bobby, you were telling me you don't – they're projected if they lose to Indian Lake, they could be anywhere from 13th to completely out. And what's, what's your thoughts on it? I think they're out if they lose. I, I really do. I just don't think in looking at the other teams around and the schedule that those teams have – and and I I could be entirely wrong, but uh, I just think that it's it's win and go on, lose and the uh, basketballs come out. So uh, that that's my feeling, and, and uh, hopefully with the win we won't have to worry about that. Well, but. a win would possibly move them up as high as twelfth in the region. Still, they'd have to go on the road, but but they they'd still be in it. Uh, and we're looking at somewhere in the northwest. Yeah, northwest somewhere. to north central. Northwest so. territory like Port, <laughs> Portland, Oregon, things like <laughs> no, that. No, not northwest Ohio. Okay, Toledo, Toledo the, and Sandusky. Okay, area. not quite that far west. Okay, even Fairbanks at two and seven, and they've got a tough one on their hands uh, with West Liberty on Friday night. There are some projections that even if they finish the regular season two and eight, they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, you know, anywhere from thirteenth to out. Now, if they were to beat West Liberty, which is going to be a pretty tall order, I think they could finish anywhere from ninth to fifteenth. Again, these are all projections. Um, we'll just have to wait and see after the games are played. But but this hasn't been the type of season that. We're we're we've been accustomed to. I think we've gotten spoiled with. They've uh, also hurt us by putting all of the games on Friday nights. Yeah, that that's going to be a, you know, that's that's going to be tricky with our deadline as as for Saturday's paper. We're gonna we're gonna we have the potential to be really far flung all over the state, and it's all on one night. We can't even double up and help each other to Mar- try to help with the yeah. deadlines and stuff. Marysville will be close by. Not necessarily. Well, I'm telling they're, you, they're projected. I mean, I'm just going by projections. It's hard to say. They I, they could be up at Toledo, Whitmer, or Perry. I know Finley's in there. Perry's, uh, Whitmer's in there, and uh, what Centerburg, Centerville, Cent- Centerville. Centerville. I mean, they're all creeping around there. Yeah. Like I, Centerville's not. You know, you and I went to Centerville last year. It's not horrible. I just it's don't not want to a go bad Toledo. drive. Yeah, Toledo would be a bad. Uh, Fairbanks, if they get in, they could be down in Claremont County. Uh, North Union, again, could be in the great northwest. Cover that baby on video. <laughs> get somebody uh, to send me some photos. And Jonathan Alder, again, could be home. 
They could be at either Hartley or Reedy, which wouldn't be too bad, or they could be they could be over in St. Clairsville. We just don't know how it's That's going all. to. St. Clairsville is almost not in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that reminds me a few years ago when Sam Dillon was with us. We had a Fairbanks game on a Friday night down at Fort Fry, which that's down in deliverance country. You know, you hear the banjo start playing when you get closer to, to well, the community the of Beverly. Yeah. And defend it from West Virginia. <laughs> yes, they did. The West Virginians were coming over and, the river and they had to, and they had to our, them off. Our plan had been we were double teaming. Sam was going to shoot and I was going to cover the game and write the story on the way back on a laptop. Well, the laptop kind of fizzled out on us. We got back about midnight, and we had everything done except the pictures and the story, and we, we, we got our deadline uh, met. But uh, this Friday night, we or the first Friday night of the playoffs, depending upon where we are, we, we're going to have to do some brainstorming, I think, before. But we'll have, a, of course, we'll have a, a clearer picture of the, of the playoffs after everything's done Friday night, and we'll talk about that. Next week, player of the games, Marysville. I'm I'm going to go with Matt Kratowski because they didn't. He he had 46 yards, but he had two touchdowns. He also had to shift over from wing to uh, fullback. I know we've had him a few times, but he is the workhorse for that offense. And you know, in light of nobody else kind of really standing out, I think I'll give it to him. North Union, go with Carter Skaggs. Uh, 12 of 17 for 193 and three touchdowns. Um, very good performance uh, by the senior quarterback. Triad, you got to give it to Austin Mitchell again. He was their team Friday night uh, in the loss to West Liberty Salem. Fairbanks. Uh, I mentioned his name before, Holtz Main. Uh, I didn't mention his offensive stats. He had six catches for 73 yards, his longest being a 30 yard uh, completion. I'm um, just going to reiterate his defensive stats. 12 total tackles, one sack, three tackles for a loss, and one pass breakup. And to make Chad happy, Johan Beckel is Jonathan Alder's player of the week. He had uh, seven uh, receptions, 89 yards with a touchdown, had uh, some nice returns on special teams. So he's Jonathan Alder's. Gave out a trophy. We could call it the Beckel. <laughs> <laughs> the Beckle. And this week's Beckle goes to <laughs> All right, well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information, and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Axion Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, please be sure and follow the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday. <laughs>